0: Welcome to Petrifaction. I'm your host, Petey. And if you like stories about ghosts, monsters, vampires, the weird and mysterious, UFOs, Bigfoot, and other cryptids, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. In the northeast coastal town of South Shields, England, a young family claimed to be under attack by mysterious forces and they lived to tell the tale. The terror that would come to be known as the South Shields Poltergeist began in earnest in December of 2005. Up until then, the couple and their three-year-old son had resided in the house and had never experienced anything that they'd consider otherworldly. The house had always been quiet with very little trouble. The activity began with the occasional door opening and closing on its own, as well as chairs seemingly moving on their own accord. The couple dismissed this, thinking that, Maybe the house was settling, or maybe just a breeze that had blown through the house had caused some of the movement. However, their dismissive attitude vanished on Christmas night when their son's toys took on a life of their own. It's like a bad episode from Toy Story. Their toys came to life. As the couple lay in bed, the unthinkable occurred. One of the son's stuffed animals suddenly appeared by the door and then launched itself across the room, hitting the wife in the face. For a moment, the couple just sat in bed trying to make sense of what just happened. Suddenly, the couple found themselves in a tug-of-war with unseen hands, trying to pull the blankets from off the bed. The encounter came to an abrupt end when the husband felt an unbearable, a searing pain that ran down his back. His wife inspected his back and terror gripped her when she discovered that there were 13 angry red scratches that burned like fire. This was only the beginning of the terror that would envelop the family and their once quiet home. Following that initial encounter with the unseen attacker, The activity wasted no time in progressing to a terrifying level. Whoever or whatever was causing this used their child's toys as its weapons of choice. Two frightening incidents involved their son's toys that stood out from among the rest. One day, while cleaning the house, they discovered that a rocking horse was hanging by its neck from a ceiling fan and the next day they returned from an outing to find a stuffed rabbit at the top of the stairs, menacingly clutching a box cutter in its arms. The young couple felt threatened, and they questioned whether or not this thing would be capable of physically harming them. Threats of bodily harm presented themselves when the couple began receiving threatening text messages on their mobile phones. The text read, Die, or You're Dead. The entity then turned its attention to their young son by hiding him in strange places around the house, and it disturbed him as he tried to sleep. The young couple began to despair, believing that there would be no end to this trouble. So they did what a lot of people would do in a situation such as this, and they reached out to ghost hunters. Upon hearing the bizarre activity the family was experiencing, local paranormal investigators, Mike Hollowell and Darren Ritson, answered the call to investigate the haunting. Uh, Typically, when investigators enter a house, the ghost might hide, ending its activity altogether. But that wasn't the case in South Shields. Whatever this inexplicable force was that haunted the house was by no means shy and presented itself to Ritson and Hollowell. The two men documented objects balancing at weird angles that defied logic and gravity, too. They also witnessed threatening messages that appeared on paper as well as on an etch sketch The activity in the house appeared to be nothing more than out-of-control energy, but according to the investigators, an intelligence appeared to be at work behind the phenomena, an intelligence that they would soon see. On several occasions, Ritson and Hollowell caught a glimpse of a large black shadow lurking about the house. They described it as being black as night and giving off a feeling of pure evil, as if something from the realm of nightmares had gained access to our world. Unfortunately, the team was never able to catch that entity on film. And as with most reports of poltergeists, the activity in the home abruptly stopped just as it had begun. The horror that the young couple and their son were forced to endure was over. But that didn't stop them from selling the house and moving far away. As with most tales as frightening as this, people do make things up for attention, but Ritson and Hollowell defend the family, claiming that every bit of their story was true. Today the young family live in a house that's free of any supernatural trouble. However, they remain ever watchful, waiting to see if their son's toys once again take a life of their own. This is another article about the South Shields poltergeist. I hope it's not too redundant. Um, I'm just sharing this one because I thought there was some more detail in it and a little bit of different information given regarding the case. So I wanted to share. This is from an article called Come Out and Play, The Creepy Case of the South Shields Poltergeist by Brent Swanser. Now, up until the winter of 2005, a young couple, usually called Mark and Marianne to protect their real identities, and their three-year-old son, Robert, were living a peaceful life in a house in the quiet coastal town of South Shields in northeast England. In December of that year, the family began to experience a steadily increasing paranormal phenomena that they couldn't explain. It started quite simply with things like doors suddenly opening or closing on their own, and they heard strange sounds coming from the walls. After that, furniture and other objects objects began to seemingly move around on their own, such as chairs found stacked on top of each other or upon a table in the bedroom or A large chest of drawers moved mysteriously from one bedroom to another. In some cases, the mysterious movement was witnessed or heard, such as when furniture could be heard moving about and sliding over the floor of the son's room upstairs when no one was there, and they cowered in fear on another floor. Other weird occurrences noticed during this time were bangs, thuds, and knocking which became more and more pronounced, as well as sudden dramatic temperature drops in rooms. Things changed one night when the couple was settling down to go to bed. It was at this point that Mary Ann began to lay down and reported that she felt something hit her in the head, and it was found that the projectile that thumped to the floor was oddly their son's toy dog. Since the sun was not there, and there was no one there to have thrown it, neither one of them could figure out what was going on. It was not even clear how the toy had gotten in their room to begin with, and moments later another stuffed toy hit Marianne, propelled by an unseen force, and this time it was with greater impact and ferocity. As the couple sat there in the darkened room, trying to figure out just what was going on, they were allegedly set upon by other toys flying at them and pelting them from all directions, seemingly coming from nowhere and sometimes stopping in midair and then continued their trajectory. As the couple pulled up their covers in an attempt to shield themselves, they claimed that something began trying to rip the blankets away from them and as they struggled in a tug-of-war with the mysterious intruder, Mark is said to have suddenly screamed out in pain, and it was soon purported that they found 13 red scratch marks down Mark's back. After that, the attack stopped as suddenly as it had begun, and oddly the scratches are said to have completely disappeared by the following morning. From there, the strange entity seems to have become obsessed with using the children's toys to frighten and panic the family. One time, the family found their son's rocking horse hanging by its reins from the ceiling fan. And another, a creepy sight of a toy bunny sitting at the top of the stairs with a box cutter in its paws. No one could figure out who had placed the toys in such a way. Toys would also often roll across the floor on their own without warning. They'd make eerie moaning noises. Sometimes they'd turn on by themselves. Another weird occurrence was when a sink in the bathroom allegedly suddenly filled with blood to the point of overflowing. And then it vanished soon after. One disturbing habit that this particular poltergeist had was leaving threatening messages. Uh, messages were left on a magnetic doodle board and eventually messages like rest in peace and die and you're dead started appearing on um, messages like emails or text messages on cell phones. Marianne would receive death threats, or promises of violence on her phone. One such message said, Going to die today, going to get you. And another said, I can get you when you're awake, and I'll come for you when you're asleep. None of the messages could be tracked to a number or email account, and they seemed to come from nowhere. Marianne's cell phone would also be incessantly called by her phone number her home number, even when she knew that there was no one at her house. Other frightening incidents involved their young son, Robert. On one occasion, he was found tightly cocooned in a blanket with a plastic table perched on top of him. It was as if something had carefully balanced it on top of him. They said that, He was in a kind of a trance, and his eyes were staring blankly at nothing at all. And another time, Robert went missing, and they desperately searched the house, only to find him stuffed in a small closet, tightly bound by his blanket. This wasn't normal in this particular case. This wasn't something the boy could have done on his own. All these incidents prompted the terrified Mark and Marianne to call for help, for someone to come in and investigate, and soon paranormal researchers would arrive. Paranormal investigators, Mike Hollowell and Darren Ritson would soon arrive. And for their part, at first, Hollowell and Ritson were not particularly convinced of the frantic story told by the family or of the wild claims. Such intensely pronounced, violent poltergeist behavior is actually quite rare, and the claims just seemed like too much. Nevertheless, they went to the home and set up their equipment, which included motion-activated video cameras, sensors, and other sophisticated gear. At this point, they didn't expect much to come of it, but they would soon see that they were very wrong indeed. Whatever sinister presence was residing within the house seems to have been rather perturbed by them being there, as it began to escalate its ghostly activity, and quite often it happened in full view of the amazed investigators. Toys began to move around. They made inexplicable noises or even talked. There were disembodied voices emanating from an old baby monitor. Their gear was often turned off or even broken by the unseen force. Various toys, and on one occasion, even knives, were thrown at the investigators. The investigators also witnessed doors open and slam closed, objects levitating, blankets on bed sliding off, lampshades swinging. Strange messages appeared on the sun's board or on pieces of paper, and various household items or furniture were found impossibly balanced at strange angles. Some of the phenomena were successfully captured on film, such as a water bottle balancing on a table in an unnatural diagonal position. Perhaps the most bizarre and frightening event the two investigators witnessed was that the they claim to have seen the entity in the son's bedroom. One evening, Hollowell and Ritson claim that they saw a large, dark shape appear on the balcony and then skulk around inside of Robert's room. Marianne, who was with the investigators at the time, also saw the apparition and let out a startled shriek. The entity then proceeded to walk right through the room in front of them. Hallowow described the creepy encounter as this. The entity walked slowly from the bathroom across the landing into the bedroom. As it passed the door to Robert's room, it paused and stared icily at me. Its face was devoid of all features such as eyes, nose, or mouth. It was cold and menacing. It felt like it was burrowing into my soul. It was large, maybe two meters in height, and midnight black. It was a three-dimensional silhouette that just radiated sheer evil. Unfortunately, although a camera had been set up in the room, the investigators were too shocked and stunned by the appearance of the entity to think to turn it on. Hollowell would later lament this, saying, It was gutting. We all saw it, but we didn't get the proof we needed. The investigators would get a look at the phenomenon, in action again when it began to show a rather violent nature. Just a few days after encountering the apparition in Robert's bedroom, they watched in horror as it approached Mark and attacked him. During the encounter, everyone could clearly see large, wicked scratch marks, as if from talons, form on Mark's back. An amazed Hollowell said of the strange, unsettling incident, you could actually watch the scratches forming. First, an elongated red patch and then s- sharply defined scratches within it. Cuts started to appear on the right side of his back and they immediately bled. Then Mark's skin started to change color. It went dark, almost if it was sunburned. I've seen film and stills of poltergeist scratches appearing before, but nothing like this. The investigators claim that this time They caught the whole brutal encounter on tape, and although the video is quite grainy, scratches can allegedly be seen appearing on Mark. Several other such attacks were witnessed, always targeting Mark, sometimes leaving bruises or welds, and at other times scratches, all of which faded soon after. Assaults were also witnessed by several other investigators who Hallowell and Ritson had excitedly called in to investigate the plagued home. Just as suddenly as the poltergeist activity had started, one day it just ceased, and no more phenomena occurred anywhere in the house. All had gone quiet. In the end, the disturbances and various strange phenomena caused by what has become known as the South Shield's poltergeist were witnessed by dozens of witnesses, including family, friends, and paranormal investigators. Hollowell and Ritson would go on to write a whole book on the incident called The South Shields Poltergeist One Family's Fight Against an Invisible Intruder. And they remain adamant that everything described really happened, and that this was an authentic haunting of an intensity and magnitude rarely seen. They've even gone so far as to call it a Premier League poltergeist haunting. For their part, although there have been no more incidents since, Mark and Marianne remained traumatized by the whole ordeal. Marianne has said, We were absolutely terrified. I don't think I'll ever be the same again. If I hear a noise that I can't explain or something goes missing, then it always makes us wonder whether it has come back again but right now we're just glad that it seems to be leaving us alone. So what was going on here? The South Shields poltergeist has often been accused of being merely an elaborate prank or hoax enacted by the family, but the investigators, Hollowell and Ritson, have denied this, saying that Marianne had seemed genuinely terrified and that there was no way the particular phenomenon that had personally been witnessed by them could have been faked. The South Shields poltergeist case is without a doubt bizarre, but it is well witnessed and downright intensely frightening. It's often compared to the more well-known Enfield poltergeist, which was the basis for the popular 2016 film, The Conjuring 2. If you would like to learn more about the Enfield Poltergeist, please look at episode 10 from Petrifaction. It's called The Enfield Conjuring, and it's all about that case. If you enjoyed the South Shields Poltergeist case, you're also going to really like the story about the Enfield Poltergeist. Again, it's called The Enfield Conjuring. That's all for today's podcast. I thank you for tuning in and I hope you liked the show. If you did, please tell a friend, give us a rating and hit subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on Petrifaction, you can contact me at pd@petrifaction@protonmail.com. At, at protonmail.com. And remember to check out today's show notes for more information on today's stories. Please return next time to hear more stories. And friends, be prepared to be petrified.